Be seated. Let's take the word of God together this morning and turn to the New Testament book of Luke again. And I'm glad that you're with us, especially on this first Sunday of the year. And if you could make any New Year's resolution, it would be this, not to miss a single meeting when the doors or the flaps of the tent be open. And that's a good habit to get into. Now, let me just tell you why. For years, God's people have played games with church. And then we're told you couldn't worship. And then all of a sudden people wanted to meet again. And they got upset because people told them that they couldn't worship. But you have no right to be upset when the government or anybody else tells you that you cannot worship if you are not faithful to the meeting anyways. The scriptures say clearly, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And the day's approaching, isn't it? So we need to be together. I want to ask you a little question and I got a, a sermon today that I hope, I believe is from God. I've spoken on, from this text about six months ago and uh, we'll revisit it today. But uh, I want to speak on this topic, finding Christ in 2022. Finding the Lord Jesus Christ in 2022. Now, would you look this way? Some of us have lost the presence of God in 2021. Some of you have lost the nearness of Christ last year. And so I think it's very appropriate to begin the new year on the subject, finding Christ, finding him. For some of you, it's been a long time since you felt his nearness, since you sensed his presence. Can I ask you this morning, have you started already the year without him? Well, where is he? Where is he gone? Why did he leave? And how do I find him? We have this similar situation in Luke chapter 2. This passage ought to really interest you because it is the only reference we have to the life of Jesus in his first 30 years. This passage ought to be especially important to you because it's the only passage that talks anything about his life the first 30 years besides his birth. We don't have any more information in the Bible about it. We have his birth, then we have when he began his public ministry after his baptism at the age of 30. But we have nothing in between except this one portion of Scripture. And you may be familiar with it. Probably you remember the account. What happens? Jesus and his family go to Jerusalem to worship. His father and mother leave. They get about a day's journey down the road and they suddenly realize they've left him. Maybe you're a parent and you know what it is to lose a child, even just for half a second. It's a frightening feeling. But I'm not talking about losing a child today. I'm talking about losing the presence of Christ. I'm not suggesting that you lose Jesus because 
We're told that if you be a child of the living God, that he shall never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'm talking about losing the sense of his nearness, the sense of his presence. Losing communion, you could say, with Christ. And I think we ought to begin with this question. How did we lose him to begin with? Would you look here? I wonder this morning... Have you lost something of his presence and of his nearness? And if so, how did it happen? Are you as near to Jesus today as you've ever been? Or perhaps today you find yourself further away than you have been in quite some time. How did it happen? How does a child of God lose the presence of God? Again, this is not losing your faith, it's not losing your salvation, but it is losing communion with Him. Really, in essence, a relationship, your relationship with Jesus is just not existing at the moment. Now, do you know you could be married to somebody, living in the same house, sleeping in the same bed, and really not have a good relationship? It happens all the time, doesn't it? it happens all the time. Two people living in the same house, but live in two different worlds, two different lives. And how much more does it happen with the child of God? Even getting, to re- getting up, and maybe even reading their Bible in the morning. Maybe even putting on some worship music, but yet the relationship, the substance of relationship is not there. Here are a few ways we tend to lose them. Look at verse 41 with me. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. Here's one way we tend to lose them. When the customs of our God become customary. Did you catch that? We often lose the presence of God when the customs of God become customary. Do you get what I mean? When it just becomes a routine. Just becomes a habit. Can I ask you this morning, have the things of God simply become a well-worn pattern? Just a habit? You just walk that way because that's what you're expected to do. The Bible says in verse 41, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. I'm not saying this happened to them, but I am saying it happens to us. We make the things of God routine. We make the things of God just a habit because that's what Christians are supposed to do. That's just what you do as a good Jew. Every year you go down to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. That's what you do on a Sunday. You go to church because that's what Christians do. You pick up your Bible every morning, whether you want to read it or not, because that's what you're supposed to do. You say a few prayers before you go to bed at night, because that's what Christians are supposed to do. And it becomes just a custom. Because you know you should. Can I ask you this morning, why did you come here today? Why did you come here today? Now, don't get me wrong, I'm glad you're here. I wish more people were here. 
I'm glad, I'm glad you're here. But why did you come? Because it was expected of you? Because that's what Christians do on a Sunday? If so, you may be on your way to losing him. If you haven't lost him already. There's another reason why we tend to lose him. Verse number, the next verse says this. Verse number 43, and when they had fulfilled the days. Would you look here? We tend to lose Christ when we fulfill the days but have an empty heart. When you sit in a, in a, in a chair in a tent like this. I'm doing my duty. I don't really care what you're saying. I'm not really interested. I can't be bothered, to be honest with you. I've got a lot of important things to do right now. But I'm here. I'm doing my duty. I even move my lips when it's time to sing. But that's it. No heart. No heart. Much of our Christianity has become a mere ticking of the box. Just fulfilling outward observances while we are asleep inside. And do you know who some of the worst people are for this? Look here. Young people, children, teenagers. Your fathers and your mothers make you come. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I wonder how many fathers and mothers had to fight with some of their children just to get them out of bed and dressed and to the tent this morning. It's easy to become a pattern. And I'm here. And if the pastor looks at me, fake smile. Is that you? No feeling, no heart, no emotion. You would never dream of winning a football match with the amount of heart and emotion that you've given to the service of God. No way. Can you imagine if your favorite football team walked out onto the pitch like you walk into church? Can you imagine if they played with the same enthusiasm as you sing? Can you imagine if they defended with the same enthusiasm as you defend against the forces of hell? It'd be a joke. I played American football growing up, and my coach used to say at halftime he'd shake us up, maybe grab one of the one of the boys by their jersey, and he'd say, "Where's your heart?" You ever heard that before? Meaning you were playing with no feeling, no enthusiasm, no heart. That's a game. I'm not talking about a game. I'm talking about the reality. That which is more real than anything on this planet. A spiritual war. A battle. And we've got no heart. No feeling. No emotion. Where's your heart, boys? My coach would say. The Bible says, when they had fulfilled the days as they returned. Here's another way we tend to lose him. When we are in such a rush to return... That you don't even notice that he's no longer with you. The Bible says when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. Did you get that? They were in such a hurry. They were in such a rush to get home that they didn't even realize that he wasn't with them. 
such a rush to get to the roast dinner. Now, I know, look here, I know some people are in such a hurry to get home out of a meeting, they leave before it's over. What would, how would you feel if the Spirit of God fell right after you walked out of the door? How would you feel? Because you missed it. Because you were so preoccupied with getting home to watch your television program or some football match or to get your roast dinner in time. They're in a rush. Too busy. We are constantly, constantly in such a rush. Got to get home. Got to get to work. Busy, busy, busy. And sometimes... Somewhere along our way, we leave the Son of God behind. And the truth is, the truth is we didn't lose Christ, we left Him. We didn't lose Him. No, when a child of God loses the presence of God, He, he doesn't lose it, He leaves it. You remember the letter in the book of Revelation? You know what I'm going to? The... Letter written to the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. The Lord Jesus speaks to these people. He encourages them, tells them he knows their works and their labor and their patience. But he says, I've got a problem with you. Nevertheless, <coughs> I have someone against thee. I've got something against you. Do you, know, you remember what it was? Because thou hast left left, left thy first love. You left him behind. He didn't leave you. In fact, Jesus never left Jerusalem. Jesus never left the temple. They left him. And if you've lost the presence of God, it's because you walked away, not him. Not him. Jeremiah the prophet speaks of this and the second chapter, listen to what he says. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when thou went after me in the wilderness in a land that was not sown. God was saying to his people, I remember when you loved me. Now, I don't want to ever hear those words. I don't ever want to hear the words of God saying to me, I can remember when you used to love me. Because that would signify that I don't love him now. I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when you went after me in the wilderness, in a land that was not...
They didn't even realize that he'd gone. Do you remember Samson? One of my favorite Bible characters. Strong Samson. The Bible speaks of how the presence of God would come upon him. And remarkable. He'd had strength. He killed a thousand men with a jawbone of a donkey. Incredible. He was a he was an animal. But the saddest verse, the saddest thing about his life is when he walked away from God and began to do what he know he shouldn't do. And there came a time, the Bible says, you know the story, when Delilah cuts his hair, he awoke out of his sleep, and he said, I'm going to go out as other times before. I'll shake myself. I'm going to fight these Philistines. And the Bible says he wist not. He did not know that the Lord had departed from him. And I think perhaps something even sadder than walking away from your Lord is walking away from your Lord and not even knowing that he's not with you. That's even worse. It goes a day. Joseph and Mary walk for a day before they realize that Jesus wasn't even with them. You, you might say, that's a terrible father or mother. No, 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 no. How long have you walked without even realizing that Christ isn't with you? How many days has it been that you've lived your life pattern after pattern, routine after routine, and you haven't even realized that the presence of God has departed? They walked together in a company, a group of people. And as custom was in those days, the men would also oftentimes walk in one part of the one part of the train, as it were, and the ladies would walk in another. And so, of course, Joseph thought, well, he's not, Jesus isn't with me, he must be with his mother. And she thought, well, he's not with me, he must be with his father. I'm sure that's what happened. But the Bible says, in verse 44, they supposing him to have been in the company went a day's journey. And then they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintances. Can I tell you another reason? One more, one more reason why we tend to lose his presence. When we assume that he's going with us. When we assume that he's behind us. When we make our plans and our schemes and we assume that just because we had the idea that he's with us. James talks about this, didn't he? Go to now, brethren. He said, ye that think today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there for a year and buy and sell and get gain. For you know not what shall be on the morrow. You don't have a clue what's going to happen tomorrow. And oftentimes we have these plans and these strategies and then we assume that he's going to be there with us. Can I just say to you as lovingly, as lovingly as I can, the Lord Jesus Christ is not some dog that is expected to follow you around everywhere you go. He's not a puppy. That's going to be right there at your heels everywhere you go. No, no, no. He is your master. You are not his. We think sometimes that he's like a genie in a bottle. And we can rub the, the lamp anytime we need him. 
and he can fulfill all of our wishes and desires and do just what we want and then go back in the bottle when he's done. Nonsense and blasphemy. He's your master. We most often find ourselves without his presence when we try to lead him instead of letting him lead us. Now, how do we find him? That's what I want to know. We've thought about how we've lost him and maybe I've described one of the ways you've lived your life in the last year and maybe I brought to remembrance some of the things that have caused you to lose his presence. But how do we find him? That's what I'm interested in. In the remainder of our time, how do we get back the presence of God? How do we start walking again with Christ? Well, I believe the first thing is to recognize he's not with you. Stop lying to yourself. Admit it. You've lost the power. You've lost the presence of God because you're never going to get it back until you're willing to admit it that you've lost it. And then you got to start searching. That's what they did. Verse 44, and they supposing him to have been in the company, I, probably they when they began to sense that he wasn't about, they probably tried to act calm at first. You know, just looking about calmly. Uh, you know, as if they knew what they were doing and then their boy was somewhere around here. And uh, when their eyes met and when they began to realize that neither one of them had the child, then panic set in. And that was a day. A day had gone by. And the Bible says they sought him amongst their kinsfolk and acquaintance, meaning they looked for him right around. Calmly, casually. Can I just say something? You'll never find Jesus looking for him calmly and casually. If today you've never been born again, if you've never, if you've never been brought from death into life, you're not a Christian, you've never been saved, you will never be one if you just casually look for him. And if you've lost his presence, you're never going to find it by casually looking around. Sought him amongst their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not. Now I love this one. They started searching amongst those who were closest to them. And when they found him not. Look what it says next. They turned back again. I've underlined those three words. Turned back again. One of the most vital aspects of being restored to the communion with Christ is one of the most neglected. Repentance. Repentance. Would you like to get back to walking with Christ like you used to? Repent. Would you like to find him because you've never found him? Would you like to be born again? Would you like to lay hold on Jesus? Repent. Turn away from your sins. Turn away from your neglect and go back. Child of God, go back to fellowship and communion with Jesus. It'll never be restored until you enter into repentance. Can I ask you this morning, have you turned back again? Have you repented? Have you gone back to where you left him? That's what Jesus told the church at Ephesus. I have something against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent. Remember where you used to be. Can I ask you this morning, has there ever been a time in your Christian life when you lived 
more on fire for God than right now. When you are closer to him than you are right now, then you better repent and remember where you fell from. The interesting thing is God himself wants you to come back. He's waiting for you. You remember the story of the prodigal son? He's waiting for you to come home. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9 tells us of the heart of God. The scriptures say this, one of my favorite verses. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants you today to repent because he knows that if you don't repent, you're going to perish. He knows that if you don't do an about, if you don't turn around and run to him, you're going to perish. Okay, so Joseph and Mary turned back to Jerusalem. Did they find him waiting at the gate of Jerusalem there when he got there? Okay, so they repented. They turned around. Did they, as soon as they turned around and headed back to Jerusalem, was Jesus there? No. No, no, no. So there's one more thing I want to tell you. How do we find him? Well, number one, you admit, you recognize he's not with you. You start looking, you repent. Here's another very important thing. Don't give up. Don't quit. I've been looking. I can't find him. Look here. You know, many of you know I've got six children. Do you think that if I lost one of my children, do you think I'd ever stop looking until I found them? Or do you think after a week I'd say, well, can't find, can't find them. Titus is gone, so I guess I'll stop looking now. Fathers and mothers, would you do that? No way. If it killed you, you would look and look and look. If you lost every penny, if you lost everything you had, you would not stop until you found that child. And if you've lost the presence of Jesus, you ought to look for him the same way. If you've never been born again today, if you've never ever been saved, then you ought to search for Jesus like you've lost a child until you find him. So they sought him three days. Three days they looked for him. They turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him and it came to pass that after three days, see, I've been seeking, I've been trying and I can't find him. Keep seeking, keep searching with all of your heart. The Bible says, if God says, if you seek me with all of your heart, you shall find me. A promise. You will find him. Just don't give up. Some of you, you, you've lost the presence of God. You, you're not near to him like you used to be. You once walked so close to him. You once felt his presence with you just about every moment of the day and everywhere you went. And now you, you can't sense him any longer. But the problem is you, you haven't looked for him. You're not looking for him. In fact, what you've done is you've replaced his presence with somebody else's presence. What would you think of me if I lost my children, one of my precious girls? Can you imagine if I lost Harper, the youngest of my girls? And instead of finding her, I was happy just to replace her with somebody else. What would you think of me? I've lost her. 
But you know what? I got a new dog. I'm sure some of you probably want to take my life if I talk like that. If I said, well, you know what? I lost her, but I made a new friend. No, no. No one can take the place of Jesus in your life. And if you have let someone this last year take the place of Jesus, you need to sort that out. Because it is it is of, of the highest criminality to put anybody but Jesus in that place. One more thing. Where did they find him? Right where they left him. Remember what Jesus said in Revelation 2 verse 5? Remember from, from whence thou art fallen. Fallen. So if, if today you know that you are not walking with him as you should, then you, you need to remember where you left him. Repent and do the first works. Why did Jesus tell the church at Ephesus to do the first works? What did he mean the first works? I believe he meant those first things that someone does when they're first born again. Do you remember when you were first saved? Do you remember when you were first born again? I remember it well. Everybody thought I was a madman. People still think I'm a madman. That's okay. But people thought I was crazy when I was first saved. All my mates thought I had bumped my head and was going through a phase. They kept saying, ah, you'll, you'll get over it. I remember when I was first saved, you've heard me tell this before. I was so excited about what God had done in me. I couldn't explain it. I didn't know it all. All I knew is that, man, I was different. All I knew was that God loved me. And Jesus died for all of my sin. And I was so overwhelmed by it that I wanted to tell everybody that I met. You know what I did? I used to go out for a drive looking for people. You may think that's a bit creepy. I'd look for people. I'd look for people who were broken down on the side of the road with a flat tire. I'd pull up behind them, put my hazards on, hop out with my tire iron, get down on one knee, jack up the car, start changing the tire, and the people were, wow, thank you so much. And as they stood there, as I changed their tire, I said, did you know Jesus Christ loves you? <laughs> and I turned that love nut slower and slower so I'd have more time. And I stood there nervously like, who on earth is this madman? And, and they had to listen to me. I loved it. I'd hug them. They thought I was weird. I'd hug them, give them a gospel tracks, and be on my way. Glory. I'd look for people hitchhiking. My mother would have killed me. I, I looked for people walking on the side of the road. I said, Hop in. I said, where are you headed? So uh, headed to such a place. Huh, I'm headed there myself. <laughs> And uh, we'd be driving down the road. I'd wait a couple of minutes, you know, find out their name, where they're from. And then I said, did you know that Jesus Christ loves you? And do you know they'd get frightened to death of me? Start looking at me like I was strange. And then they'd say, this is good enough. Right here is fine. And they'd want to get out. But that's the way I was when I was first saved. I remember an old man said to me one time, he said, don't worry, it'll wear off. You'll, cal you'll calm down. I don't ever want to calm down. 
And I'm ashamed to say there have been times when I have. I've become sophisticated. I've become educated. Prim and proper. And oh, I'm a bit too busy now to stop with someone on the side of the road. No, remember from where you've fallen. Repent and do the first works. Now, where did they leave Jesus? They left him in the temple. Many, listen to this, many a child of God has left Christ in the church house. They've left him in the fellowship of the saints. They stopped going to church. They stopped worshiping. They stopped gathering with the saints. They stopped meeting together. Something crowded in. They got so busy and they left him there. Do the first works. Do you know when I first got saved, I would, I would not miss a single meeting. I can't miss one now either. But uh, when I first got saved, I, I didn't care if it was a ladies' meeting. I was going to be there. They'd have to ask me to leave. I wanted to be at every single meeting where the Bible was preached, where God was worshipped. And we've got to get back to that. Shame on you to call yourself a child of God and not want to be where God's people are. There's something wrong. Some people say, I, I worship God alone. Good, you should do. But you should not forsake the assembling of the saints together. If you can get there, you ought to be there. Well, you know, I've got football. Really? You're going to forsake the assembling of God's people for the assembling of some sweaty footballers. How are you going to explain that to God one day? God, I know I should have been there, but, you know, um, we had this thing down below we called football, and it was really important. Really? Not a chance. Well, we had a party. We had this, work, this, that. No, no, no. Go back. Right to the temple. What happens in the temple? Worship. Worship. One of the first places that you leave Jesus is true worship. I remember when I was first born again. I'd drive down the road, crank the music up, scream, sing at the top of my lungs, cry. I had to pull over to the side of the road. I'd be crying in tears so much. I'd raise my hands. I didn't care who saw me and thought I was nuts. I didn't care. I worship God. We've lost it. When's the last time you felt that you really worshiped God? What else? Verse number 46, it came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple sitting, watch this, sitting in the middle of the doctors. Now, that's not medical doctors. That's religious doctors. Uh, people who knew the word, studied the word. They were experts of the word of God. Jesus was in the middle of the experts of the word of God. He was both hearing them and asking them questions. Do you know where they found Christ? Do you know where you will find Christ? Anywhere God's people are gathered around the word of God who love the word of God. You'll find him there. Asking questions, listening. That's where you'll find him. That's where you'll find the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, can I ask you? Will you go back? It's interesting that when they finally got there, they, they were amazed. All that heard him were astonished at his understanding. And when they, when Joseph and Mary saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, son, why hast thou dealt with us? Why, thou, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Why have you treated us like, why have you done this to us? 
<laughs> Mothers and fathers, you ever said that to your child? Why have you done this to me? Why are you? I had this one of these conversations with my children just recently. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> but the problem was, he didn't do anything to them. They left him. Jesus answers, how is it that you sought me? Why did you even, how did you end up in this predicament anyways? And maybe this morning you're, you're crying out to God, God, why did you do this to me? And that's not the right question. That's not the right question. See, Jesus answers that question with this question. Well, how is it that you even came about that you had to look for me? How did you even get so far away from me? How did you even get to the point when you didn't know where I was? And so today the Lord Jesus is saying to you, if you're asking to God today, why did you do this to me, God? Why are you so far away from me? God is saying, well, hold on a moment. How did you end up so far from me? Because I've never moved. God's never moved. God's never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The only one that changes is you and I. And so then he ends with this last statement, and I'll close with this. Question. Wist ye not, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Glory. Do you want to find Christ? He's right where the father's working. The presence of God, the presence of Jesus Christ will always be where the work of God is taking place. The true work of God. Not everything that calls itself a work of God is a true work of God. And not everything we do is a true work of God. I'm not foolish enough to think that. But wherever the Father is at work, that's where the presence of Christ will be found. And Jesus said, you should have known. You want to find me? Find me where my Father's business is. Would you look here for a second? The trouble is we are so preoccupied with the business of the world that we don't even know where to find the business of the Father. Have you lost the presence? Let's get back. What better way to start 2022 than getting back the presence of God? What better way? Enough's enough. Today's the day. And what better way to start if you've never been saved? What better way to start this year? Look here. What better way to start this year than today to repent of your sins and be born again? What better way to start the year than to be saved? By the grace of God today. I hope that today each one of us will find his presence again. And even if you don't find his presence at the end of the day like you've known it before, don't you dare stop until you find it. You will find it. After three days, they found him. Keep seeking, keep seeking, keep seeking. Keep knocking, keep knocking, and you will find it. I'm glad that we can find him. And may we each search today. I believe that this year there are greater things ahead than we've ever imagined. But it'll never happen without the presence of God. And if it does, you don't want to be a part of it. If something great happens without the presence of God, you don't want anything to do with it. Because the Bible says in the last days there's going to be signs and wonders, great things happening without the presence of God. I don't want anything to do with it but I want his presence. Let's pray. Father, we humble ourselves now and ask of thee by thy spirit to show us where we have neglected thee, 
where we have lost thy presence. Show us, Father, from whence we have fallen and help us this morning to repent and to do again those first works. We pray, Lord, that we wouldn't stop at those first works, but we would begin again at those first works and climb onwards and upwards for thee. Restore some of thy children this morning. Save some of the lost today. And I pray that we would begin this new year in victory rather than defeat. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and for his sake, amen.